product launch mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have crews in like all those different cities and they'll have these plans and they'll have these things fabricated with lights and whistles and all that and we'll go in and pull it off the truck and build it up overnight and it'll usually it's like up for a day mm-hmm. and then we take it all down and recycle it or do the best we can to get rid of it all and that's that's the job cool on the side i, I make my own furniture i build my own furniture oh and, awesome yeah stuff like that that's the more creative end of it awesome what kind of furniture do you build i like to stick kind of in i mean obviously coming from new england coming from maine i have a lot of like shaker influence mm. uh, a lot of like that thomas Mosier uh background that's very simple clean lines for yeah people that don't know what that is totally, yeah, yes. they're all ignorant yeah, no. <laughs> think modern building and yeah. like it may make it into a, a chair and that's like shaker yeah shaker i don't know what the it's an incredibly religious kind of sect or cult. I don't know if there's any... Actually, have you ever done any... So, I actually went... There's a Shaker village. They were all dead now because they actually didn't They don't procreate, Right, which is not good if you want to continue. Yeah. (laughs) But we went and... um, and oh, it's a beautiful place, and it had in, we had a dinner there. Sabbath Day Lake, Maine. Is that the one? Or it wasn't in Maine. No, it was in Massachusetts. Anyway, and... um, yeah, it was so interesting, all the stuff that they made, everything, and they were so ingenious. I mean, they had, like, this was in, like, the, the 1800s. They had this elaborate system where the heating system was set up as also a dryer for the clothes. So they'd, like, hang all the clothes, like, in all, and all, and it, like, rotated it was crazy. I mean, this was, you know, before electricity. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they had little mice or whatever. Oh, my she God. It's not her baby. Don't worry. It's not her baby. There's a baby. You just picked up a baby off the street? Yeah. I, I just find them. I find them everywhere. In the wow. And they're sleeping <laughs> in quiet. Oh, my goodness. This is Gaula Finman has just joined us. So nice to meet you. Welcome. I know you had a little trouble finding parking. Yeah. This is a, this is there's a, what's her name? Colin. 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 It's a boy. Sure. It's in gray. You don't know? We don't no, know. We have to wait till the diaper comes off and then we find out if it's a boy or a girl. Yeah. Oh my God. Sit, sit in that, sit in that okay. chair. Uh, there's a baby. There's a baby. I, I love babies. I can't have them anymore, which doesn't make me, which doesn't make me sad, but, um, hi everybody. Gaula, yay. Welcome Gaula. It's me and a baby. You and a baby. So we have two comics and a baby. That could be like a, that could, yeah, and a therapist. So this is some, it is. Yeah. So, so we were just learning a little bit about Carl. And um, so I happen to know a little bit about you because I listened to one of your podcasts on the way here, but maybe my listeners don't. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, I love I'm glad I figured out how to say her name. So it's hot. such a beautiful name, Gaula. I love that. I thought it was Irish until I listened because it sounds Irish. If you, I don't know if you know a lot of Irish. This people. baby's parents are Irish. Yeah, no, I, I live they in. Can't the, pronounce my name. They call they, me G. <laughs> you know, we had one of the funniest baby showers I ever went to. It was one of my girlfriends, and she's from Ireland, and everybody there was Irish. And you know how you play stupid games at baby showers? Yeah. And, and the baby shower game was spell this Irish name. That's so funny. And you can't. It's like, yeah. do you know that Kiva is spelt C. I-O-B-A-N. That's Kiva, right? Like, no one won the game. It was ridiculous. Yeah, people call him by his gay... Like, he has an Irish name. It's like David, but I always forget how to say it. 
Dawid or something. I don't know. It's different, and I don't want to butcher it. We won't. In Gaelic. So, so whoa, I just banged and made a funny noise. That's a weird noise. Um, so tell us about Gaula. Mm. Um, okay. I usually drink coffee, and I didn't today. Oh. Um, but to go a little deeper, maybe. Um, I moved to San Francisco in September from Detroit, where I was born and raised. Welcome. Um, traveled a little bit. My only experience in Detroit was in the Detroit airport, and they took my knife. (laughs) (laughs) This was before 9-11, before you wouldn't even think about bringing a knife, knife, but it was my, it was an awesome knife. Was it like a collapsible knife? Yeah, it was like a fold-up knife. It was like five inches long. I just, for some reason, And they took it. I was so bummed. Anyway. Like a full chef's knife. Just like I would love to have, I have a good friend who's totally into knives. Um, Anyway, but. I digress. Go ahead. So just an open-ended gula. Um, people are probably like, well, what does that name mean? They get that a lot. So it means redemption. I love that. Yeah. Um, it comes from my parents who are both Jewish and then found a very weird spiritual path. So they named us names that were like really intense with a lot of meaning mm. and uh, left us to deal with them. There you go. <laughs> So what is what's what does that mean for you in your life? Redemption. What is that? Well, I mem- I remember like so it, ca- it comes from like this sort of unan like group redemption of like the world is gonna end and there's gonna be like people riding on the backs of eagles and like fucking going to the holy land. So that's like I had to divorce from that meaning for sure. Wow. So, so really out of revelations. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Like that's, the big redemption. Yeah. Like. There's very specific things. Like the one that was supposed to happen in 2012 that we missed? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And it's like... We're still waiting. one of the things that they say in, like, the prophecies. It's like the prophecies that, like, fruits and vegetables will get, like, so big that, like, ten men will have to carry one grape. And I'm like, it's just, like, GMOs and shit. You know when people... You know when people, like, try to get, like, science and and religion and be like, see, it's true? Uh, Anyway, I digress. What are I talking about? We're talking about (laughs) redemption and what it means for you. Yeah, so now it means, like, personal redemption and, like, um, I did a lot of work, like, from probably 18 and on to, to, uh, sort of get beyond guilt and shame in myself and others and like Mm -hmm. being your full, truest, honest self in the moment, even if it means like having bad manners or something, you know, just like honesty is kind of it. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll get along good. You know, she, she missed the prompt. I just said that. Like, so for me, the core of my work, and I think our work as humans here on this planet is to be the authentic person that we are and to, to divorce ourselves from all of the guilt and shame and the shoulds and all that mm-hmm. and be the unique, quirky, what was the word you used? Quirky. I can't remember. Zany. That was, was so Zany. long ago. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was almost five minutes ago. It was. I no, I, did you have your coffee? We were talking know, yeah. about furniture. Yeah, because yeah, he... Um, He's a furniture maker and a carpenter. Yeah. Because he hasn't been totally discovered. Saturday Night Live isn't. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, they're not, they're not knocking on the door. They might be. Like you you never worlds know. You could be discovered in, you know, like the furniture world, too. You could blow, you know. Furniture's you gotta, funny, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's a funny. Oh, man. I don't know if you guys watched uh, the, the series Parks and Rec, Parks and Recreation. I've seen. So there's like the character, uh, what is his name? Ron. I can't remember his last name at the moment, but he's like a woodworker type guy. And I, I loved throughout 
the whole series, he would subtly name drop famous furniture makers. <laughs> oh, and wow. No one, it's like I'd be watching with friends or like watching with a girlfriend. I'd be like, oh, yo, he just name dropped Thomas, like Tom Hooker or somebody else. Like Sam Maloof. And, and everybody. people are like, what? I'm like, yo, that Sam Maloof is like the greatest rocking chair maker ever. And then I'd like <laughs> pause it and like Google and show them their work and like, dude, we don't care. Like, <laughs> there are nobody, so many layers to that show, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's was, actually like, really cool. I yeah, they did that. Yeah, and I'm like, like he he name drops Tom Hooker in one. He's like this uh, New York kind of, uh, I would say like avant-garde furniture maker who I've met and like chatted with. We're Facebook friends. I'm kind of bragging right now, so you should be impressed. You're name dropping. Like yeah. <laughs> two worlds you're trying to. Yeah. Try who is it? Tom Zuck- Thomas Hucker. Yeah. Thomas, Thomas Hucker. Hucker. Okay. Hucker, yeah. I can I can act impressed. Yeah, you know, please thank Whoa. you. Yeah, that's you know, a, Thomas that's Hucker. What I need. That's awesome. I yeah, that's pretty cool. What, what about Ethan Allen? <laughs> <laughs> my my name dropping. Yeah. Ethan Allen. You uh, I used to work for Ethan Allen. Did you really? Shout out to Ethan. Shout out to Ethan. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, I'll have to think of a name that I can drop. Can I make one up? I'll have to think. So, Gaula, what do yeah. you do when you're not picking up babies off the street and, and being funny? So, um, I'm, I live with a family, and I'm an au pair. Oh, awesome. So, it's pretty full-time. Roll out of bed. Is this one of your pairs that you owe? This is my <laughs> pair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that one's more of a banana. No. no. Um, and uh, the grandmother's in, so I like to say I have two in-laws, so it makes my job like a full-time job more. Because you know, I don't know if anyone has a, a mother-in-law. But Do you have to care for grandma, too? Yeah. I mean, she's very, she's very, like, like yesterday she tried to get me to go to, like, a Baby Depot store and spend, like, three hours there, and I, like, don't want to tell her that I just buy everything online for the babies. And I, anyway, my di- I'm a wreck. Um, so basically, yeah, I spend a lot of my time with babies and it like fully takes over my spirit but it's actually like the best job too I feel like it's really really sweet but I end up spending a lot of time like at home and I'm not usually a homebody especially when it's raining outside so is this interesting it is how many babies there's two I drop off the three-year-old at school I'm planning her birthday she's gonna be three on Saturday and then um then I have the baby all day and I was with her since her mom his mom was pregnant so wow yeah I have to say, so I had my kids when I was 39 and Mm -hmm. 41. I never thought I would do it. I didn't want to subject anyone to being a child. I hated being a child. I did not want to make anyone else do that again. But no, I I thought it was a terrible thing. But um, I was in graduate school to become a therapist at the time. So I get to do like a whole graduate project about becoming a mother and and solving all of my pre-adolescent problems. So now I'm all healed. But anyway... um, but I have to say that the experience, you know, I, I like to say that when a baby was born, a mother is born too. And for me, becoming a mother in that period of time between like zero and five yeah. was probably the most zen time I've ever had in my whole life. People complain about, oh, I don't sleep and I'm not. And I was really lucky I was able to be a stay-at-home mom. My, my ex-husband had a good enough job. He's an electrician. So oh, yeah. I know about, and I've worked in the trades a in lot myself union? too, in the union. Yep. Yeah. Local six. And, um, and so I was able to stay at home with the kids mm. and there's nothing more present. Set. If you can really be with it, if you have an agenda, you're screwed. 
Oh, you, yeah. If you have an agenda, if there's oh, anything yeah. you want to do, forget it because they're going to have to poop. They're going to puke on themselves. There's no way you're going to get anywhere on any I mean, time. that's the gift. And that's what I tell the parents. Like, I never give the kids screen time because I'm like, this is my job, you know? So I have the time to, like, get out the paints and, like, get messy with kids because I'm literally, like, getting paid to not do anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. But the parents both run their own companies. I got the three-year-old out of bed this morning and she had a cell phone in her hand and she was watching TV and it was like 7.30 in the morning. So it's like a, a screen time and a lollipop if I'm not there. Well, thank God for you. So they, they're very, like, they, they're grateful. They're like, we're paying you to love our children. But it is weird because they're actually not mine. It's my job. Yeah. So it's very weird. How often do the parents, that, if yeah. I can no, 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 how, no. do they, like, interact with their kids often or is it like... The mom does and the dad... Oh, this is such gossip. They don't listen to me in your radio. <laughs> they definitely don't. But I, I analyze because I also, I, I love, I, I told myself I wouldn't analyze them too much because it's my job, but I fucking did. The dad told the mom before he got married that he didn't want to have kids. And so they were going to have kids, but he doesn't have to do anything with them. Wow. And he literally like will walk right by them, you know? And it's like the kids don't like reach out for him and they don't want to go to him. So he's very not totally, totally, totally not present. He'll just like, well, on vacation for two weeks and nobody notices. So sick. Ugh. So the thing, yeah, I've thought about this a lot as as what I felt like an unloved child. Yeah. That um, if if children receive love from someone, yeah, then they're okay. Yeah. I don't even think it matters who it is. If I, you have one person that you bond with who can who sees who you are and recognizes your yeah. needs and actually loves you, mm-hmm. then your spirit is going to be okay. Yeah. If you don't have that. You fucked. Yeah. She's but like a great school. Then you gotta come yeah. see me. If you <laughs> didn't have it. No, it's but fine, and it's yeah. It's I think like these kids have they have really good lives. Like they're fine. They're not like in pain because their parents are busy. Well, I mean, it's a really traditional. This has been happening for yeah. for eons, where wealthy people yeah. have other people raise their kids. Yeah. Right. Wet nurses in the old days, yeah. and nannies, and you know the maids, and and I honestly think the stuff I do is like the kids will switch in their brain something, and this is not studied, but they will remember a hug from me as mother. Like it's just a figure of nurturing, and so it will just replace like it will be their mom, especially like at this age, just having like a warm person that's attending to you. It is kind of groundwork, so it is. It no, is. I mean yeah. having right having someone love you and recognize your needs and yeah. be present and being present. I think that I'm very concerned about what's going to happen for children with mm-hmm. all the screen time and the screen time of the parents not actually engaging with the kids. If I'm I mean, going like this to him and he's looking for me, he starts crying. And like, I don't even realize that I'm, I have like a phone by this. I mean, I'm like putting my phone, I'm looking at my phone and he's trying to make eye contact. And right. He's just five and a half months. We all need eye contact, yeah. especially at this age yeah. because they're orienting their world through whoever their caregiver is. Yeah. And so that's awesome that you know that and you're a mindful kid and you yeah. brought him. I hope he screams yeah. at some point. I really do. He's, I miss he's like the sweetest baby. He's such a gem. I usually get fired from nanny jobs when they turn around three because they start calling me mom and the mom uh, can't handle it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not mo- nanny Pammy, not mommy, nanny Pammy. And I, so I always that. get that's I usually get 
I when I get fired, it's used, and it isn't that I'm fired. They're like, we're just gonna send him to preschool now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. right, because we don't want him to bond too much with right. someone. God forbid right. that he would actually really bond with someone. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Oh yeah, I got yelled at uh, for cuddling the baby too much by the grandmother yesterday. <laughs> she was like, "You're spoiling the child," and she had him strapped to the high chair in the kitchen watching like some weird cooking show. Whoa. And like I've never just like put put him in front of the TV. Like he's too little for TV in my You're brain. spoiling that's so sad. Yeah, it's so wild. That's so sad. So that getting emotional attention is spoiling. Alright. I'm like, how about the thirty gifts you just dumped on the other kid and the sugar? Like it's just it's just so weird. I grew up so differently, so how did you grow up? I'm the fifth of seven children and my mom had no help. <laughs> so another mess. I don't know if it's, it's not superior for sure, but there was definitely a lot of love, but probably not enough attention, you know, so different when, kinds of attention, like sibling attention and stuff like that. Well, that's another, that's the thing yeah. that happens though. After you get three kids, it becomes a gang. Yeah. It has its own yeah. rules and its own kind of trickle down. I'm an only child. So I was like desperately lonely until I discovered, um, drugs and alcohol and then I became <laughs> <laughs> and then I became a party girl and I've never shut up since but um look at this baby hi baby oh Maybe my goodness are you gonna talk to us are you gonna talk you can blow the horn no that'll freak him out um so cute you are he's got a little fluffy suit on with it's like ears the thing about bringing him places is that like babies and parenting and love and cuddles becomes like the source of things. It really does. It's, I don't know. It's kind of like a, like a dog in the room or like a cat or whatever. Everyone's just like... No, they do. Well, especially babies. So they haven't... At this age, he's five months old. Can he sit up by himself? He's... Uh, he had a few minutes the other day. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's right at that cusp. So <laughs> so at this age, they don't have any filters yet. And so for me... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He looks... Like a, a little white oh polar God. bear, and he's smiling at her. Oh my God, you are the cutest thing! But yeah. there, um, I mean, my own belief you know, this is spiritual psychology, right? So, you know, underlying all things is this life energy that we're all connected with, and little babies, and sometimes old people, if they have been if they allow themselves to become open before they die, they're like portals into that larger field. And so I think that's why people are drawn to babies because they have that pure, like (laughs) energy, that life energy that hasn't been tarnished When he's happy, it's like his toes are happy. You know what I mean? There is no, yeah. Look at him. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm smiling. (laughs) I'm so cute. So, and Pam, I forgot, you're a, you're a caregiver too then. Yeah. I only yeah. see you as the radio lady. No, I, I, I haven't been a caregiver. I mean, I still do it, but now all my kids have kind of timed out, except for one who has special needs and she's 12 and I've been with her since oh. she was this age. So oh my God. she's like my person. So, um, I get to hang out with her still and I've seen her grow up, which is amazing, but mostly like one of my little buddies now she does like it's so creepy because the only time I get to see her is if I have other kids and I met your Buena. She's a skater now. She's an ice skater. And so I'll like make all of us look through the window and like watch her skate and every once in a while wave. And she's like, oh my God, my creepy old nanny is there. <laughs> but it's, I don't usually get access to them after, you know, a certain point. Okay. 
Is that sad for you? No, I don't get paid to hang out with them anymore. Therefore, my for my usefulness has you're done surpassed. Yeah, I don't hang out with kids unless people give me money. That's like, <laughs> but I'm great. I'm like you when they have the kids. Yeah. If they're paying me the money, that's my fucking job. Any job I do, I'm gonna do the best I can. Yeah, that's exactly how I look that's at it. That's how I'm doing. So give me the kids. I'll play with the kids. I love the kids. Yeah, look at you. You're, that's he's a cute little dude. Yeah, it helps. It helps when they cute. <laughs> it is. Yeah, ugly Sorry, babies bye. are really a drag. It sucks when they're ugly. It's it, the ugly babies. The ugly babies. <laughs> ugly babies. Ugly sh- babies should die. No. <laughs> Only the cute ones. Only the cute ones can be saved. And he's like so cute. Yeah. So. So I was talking a little bit to Carl earlier uh, about the idea of the psychology of being funny. Of the psychology of comedy. Oh, totally. So, what do you guys think about that? Like, what makes something funny? I mean, I think I think in the right context or conducted the right way, like really anything could be funny, and, and certainly anything could be funny to anybody. You know, there's a whole a whole world out there. I mean, I, I just started watching. Uh, oh, is it Larry? Oh, oh <laughs> did he just fart? I don't know. What the- <laughs> See, farting is funny. Why is yeah. farting funny? You know, <laughs> we all do it. And why is it funny? I don't know why. But I, yeah, I just started watching this uh, documentary series on Netflix. It's it's done by the creator. He he like created a bunch of uh, TV shows, movies. He was a writer, comedic writer for a while, and I can't remember his name. But he goes around the world and interviews folks in like different war-torn regions uh to talk about comedy and humor the first episode he's like mainly in iraq uh and talking about how they maintain humor where they are but then i know he goes to like nigeria and interviews like uh you know former like child soldiers wow how they how funny is it when he chops someone's head off with well, a like, machete? Whoa! Well, like they were, so they talk about how when they're living in an absurd, like an absurdist uh, world where like things like that happen and that's regular, that your humor becomes that level of absurdity too. Wow. Right. Where they have to just kind of like laugh at stuff. <laughs> You're going to laugh at whatever your world is. I mean, look, wow. at, look at the soldiers in Guantanamo Bay who were piling naked detainees up and that was their joke that was their that they were like that was the joke right because they're in a it's like right putting people in dog cages and chaining them up and stuff is like uh, absurd and i think the the humor just kind of meets the absurdity of the situation what is absurdity that is an interesting question what is absurd? Um, I love to be deep. Yeah. Sorry. Um, what is absurdity? I mean, for me, so I think about comedy, and a lot of things that are funny have to do with pain or mm. suffering. Like a lot of, you know, it's it, there's a measure of truth in it that's painful, and then we laugh about it. Mm. And it shifts our, for me, it shifts my, I laugh at myself all the time yeah. because I'm always in pain. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, and but that's a, it's a, it seems like there's a funny line between humor and suffering. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, which way are you going to fall? Are we going to find this yeah. funny or are we going to kill ourselves? Right. <laughs> and I think like there's a, the shift of like war-torn countries and that reality. And then in United States or sort of very developed, very privileged countries where I think 
our sense of comedy and our structure of comedy comes from. So there we don't have like war-torn countries and limbs to laugh at. So what do we do? It's like, I think for, for me, it's like, uh, yeah, it's that suffering. But I think, and again, I'm going to go back to shame. It's like, what parts of our human experience do we still feel shame for? And it's sort of like in the past 10 or 20 years, we've like, with the help of psychology and with the help of like a lot of good media, like it feels like almost everything's been talked about with the human experience. Right. You know, but that's sort of what comedy was for a long time. It's like, I don't know, like it just the, it was like the taboo. Right. And so now it's like, we, I think at this point, if you're trying to create new material, just saying something taboo that happened to you is like not enough anymore. And so I'm right because you can't talk about if your father had sex with you because everybody already had that happen. Right? It's, not a fucking, it's like not. It's a non. It's a non entity. If I hear right. one more incest boring. joke, one more incest joke, I swear I'm like rolling my eyes at incest. Right? So no, boring. it isn't. It's it's so like boring. cliche now. It's yeah. just kind of terrible. Like but, the Pope molested a boy. So boring. You know? It's like <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So where do you find your material? How do you come up with material? I'm going to ask you the same question, Carl. Sure. Well, either of you can answer if you want to think about it. Where do you find new material? Mm-hmm. There you yeah. go. I moved it lower for Colin. I'm back. Um, I think I find my material from everyday life. I've sat and tried to write jokes, and it, it's not a good, it's not a good, a good, nothing good happens. Like, it's my jokes come from when people do something funny. Usually when people say something that pisses me off that's where my jokes come from oh really it's like i think like it's not anger because i don't i not like i don't get super angry but like the 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 first pangs of anger are where my jokes probably and then from. it becomes so that it it's feels like look like, at this bitch it's <laughs> <laughs> right so we could go one way and you make it go the other way yeah. oh that's just and even in life with that person with conflict this person will say something to me and i'll just be like like, I'll just be like, look at this bitch, but in, like, a funny way to them back. Like, that's kind of how I deal with conflict. I deal with conflict with humor, and then my humor is the conflict, too. It's like a, like in life with seven kids and a mom, like, I think that's where my comedy really comes from. And it's like, there's a lot of conflict constantly. Right. And then just needing to be the funniest one in the room to, like, take the tension away. Or, like, somebody says an insult to me, and I'm going to diffuse it by, like, making everyone laugh. You know what I mean? So, are you... Is... Is the comedy a diffuser or is it a confrontation or is it both? Ooh. I mean, it's both. Like I'm because look at this bitch is not diffusing. No. Oh, I'm also <laughs> I also like throw a punch. Like I have my grandmother in me, and I can be really sour. Like I'm not like just because I'm the narrator narrator of my own story doesn't mean I'm like the nice guy. Like I'm a fucking tool sometimes, and right. so it's like sometimes I will say something insulting because it's funny. Right. And that's like my social, socially, like I'm socially challenged where like, I just want to say the thing that's so hilarious, even if it's like so cutting, cause it's so true, you know? And I'm kind of like the person in the room, I saw this funny satirical headline the other day that was just like, uh oh, like person in the friend group decides she needs to tell everybody exactly how it is, you know? And it's like, I'm totally that person that needs to like call everybody out on their bullshit and like, oh, oh, pick me. I do that yeah, too. I, I just, <laughs> Like, is it necessary? 
like just let what is that like what are more than those expressions live like, and let, let live fly or something i don't know <laughs> like let let people like people know is that like i just made up that expression i think like let oh, the ducks lie no, let the rats eat like why do you gotta pig at other people's weaknesses you know i totally am i'm fucking well it makes us feel better about us totally, when we do totally. that right when we pick on that's other also people's like where my where all that all that part of my brain is is where this shit comes from what about you? Where do you get your... Carl, where do you get your... Sure, yeah. We're, we're passing baby. a baby back and forth. Okay. <laughs> baby passing. Uh, I, I mean, similarly, I think... Oh, that's a hard word to say. Similarly? Similarly. Do you yeah. ever try to say that like 10 times? Similarly, similarly. 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 You can't. I, I think can't it's do it pro- definitely harder with like a thick, thicker New England accent. You, oh, no. <laughs> it's my deficit. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I, I pull from experiences in everyday life and... A lot of times I... Do you make like, furniture jokes? No. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought about that. I did actually think for a little... Like, I was like, you know... Because like, I come from like a pretty blue-collar uh, town and like a, a blue-collar life. And so I was like, man, I... Everything... I there is no white-collar in Maine. No, not until the summertime when everybody comes up from New York. And those stuff. people don't count. And they don't bring their collars <laughs> anyway. No. But... Uh, the bushes and all those fucking Yeah, the, the Martha Stewart's got a place in Does Bar- she really? Harbor, yeah. Martha. No one even says that name anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. There's another name drop. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're so good. I dated a, a girl up in Bar Harbor who, like, I think she like cleaned her house. Whoa! I know, I know. Whoa! Big, big news. Whoa. Yeah, but you know, I gotta That's say, I was fascinating. So <laughs> anyone's house, I would want to. I was a house cleaner for twelve years, right? Oh yeah. And I'm gonna say, cleaning Martha Stewart's house—that is a name drop. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. Of all the people to clean for, can you, you imagine know, cleaning like, for her? You want to know like what she gets particular about so badly, right? Like. It was also everything. Like, it was I'm going to tell you. Like I want to know about her Tupperware. Everything. It's an enormous dildo collection yeah. that she needs cleaned bi-weekly. Yeah. A <laughs> Are you kidding? No. I that that woman never I'm used a dildo in her life. Please. Friends with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, they are good friends. <laughs> are they really? Yeah, they have a show together. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so culturally. But this was all. This was like off season because like people. It's so it, the whole wealth uh, like gap in Maine or at least like the Afro oh people my god yeah, people don't know about Maine but I didn't, I didn't know like these folks have their homes regularly like cleaned and maintained on a weekly basis throughout the winter when even they're not when they even there. there just to, I mean I well it's to support it. the it's probably to oh it definitely yeah it's crazy it's people have a lot of like jobs and can get by through the winter just on cleaning empty houses I remember like going not to it wasn't to Martha Stewart's home but it was to another like mega mansion <laughs> and like helping clean for no, like you're not cleaning for anybody. You're just kind of vacuuming and dusting, yeah. and it's spooky. Those were my favorite houses to clean. The clean house, clean, the clean, clean, clean house, houses. and they'll pay you the most. The people who paid me the most money were the people that already had the house. It was clean, yeah. and you clean the clean house. Yeah, you like dust the dustless thing, and they'll notice. Did you move the wedding picture and dust underneath? Oh, it? <laughs> oh my god. No, and they'll they'll know they check. It's crazy, but um, no. So a lot of people don't know because they've never been to Maine. Right, can't get there from here. Yeah. Right, can, you can't even probably. Can you do a Maine accent? Oh yeah, yeah. I'd have to. You'd have to think about have it. To huh? Go back in. I try. I can yeah, do I a got, better one than you. It, it was so traumatizing in high school because it was usually like a Maine accent, like. 
come here, you fucking bitch tits. I'll kick your ass. And, like, stuff like <laughs> and then it was followed by just me crying a lot. <laughs> so you, you moved to Portland to so, yeah. try to put, block that out. Maybe we'll do a little trauma work Were on you, you in the world. Were you fat? Why would they call you bitch tits? <laughs> <laughs> My uh, uncle actually called me that once. Yeah, I, I, I was like a little chubby kid growing up. Uh, it was so funny. I, it, it was a, a we were actually uh, doing a family vacation in Jersey, and he was like, "Get up, bitch! Tits for playing mini golf today." Oh, that's terrible! <laughs> oh my funny. god, that, he thinks it's funny now. So that's where he gets his. <laughs> I mean, I think it it is funny. Cause it's like, the, ju- yeah, just picture yelling that at like a chubby little eleven year old. Oh, gives a character. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. But terrible. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, life. I, I, I'm trying to kind of work toward or focus more on like finding the absurdity in uh, like the not not the absurdity in toxic masculinity, but like trying to point out how ridiculous that is or how absurd that is. So, like one of my jokes is about getting a prostate exam recently and just like how. I try to build it up to be like, oh, I've, I've never, I would never like enjoy that or put something in my butt. You don't like having something? But then I, your fa- I love it when people put their finger like up me. The kind of punchline is like, should I say that? I'm a therapist. I don't know if I should tell you. Like, <laughs> you lifted the veil. Honesty. Google already said honesty is yeah. the cause. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like being a like red-blooded like American meat and potatoes guy. Like clearly, I've put stuff in my butt before. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And trying. Who wouldn't? Trying to. It's my like I producing comedy shows now and like we call um our production thing manly man production oh yeah because it's just i think that's what's funny right now is like anyone trying hard to protect their masculinity is so funny to me yeah yeah <laughs> like we already know like other men are already let loose you know like we already know like you cry or you need to cry or whatever it is but it's like that's the stuff i work on like in relationship with men is like the manly man stuff the manly man stuff yeah I'm just jumped in. Totally, no. No, jump in. I'm interested. I'm totally interested in that because it's like, man, it's so dumb. (laughs) What's dumb about it? It's, I don't know. It's like a, uh, it's, it's dumb in the same way that like Valentine's Day is dumb, right? It's like a totally constructed. Right holiday it's a totally constructed like reality i mean it's based in you know centuries of of oppression and what have you and and well it really oppresses the men mm-hmm. i mean sure. that's what yeah. i see you know i i think about one of my favorite clients he's actually dead now not because he did therapy with me but um and uh total he was a carpenter total manly man um a big strong guy and he was adopted and he had a lot of trauma from being adopted mm. and um you know he was in foster care for the first uh, couple of years of his life and i mean he got adopted by a beautiful family but he had this like lifelong suicidal ideation like he had always wanted to kill himself and he never told anybody cuz he just had lived with it it was what he thought he should live with and i told him like we could fix that and ultimately did mm-hmm. but you know I remember he would come and um, and he would say I'm not going to cry I'm not going to be a wimpy guy I'm not he would like that's he would just it was like a chant for him like I'm not going to cry I'm not going to be a wimpy guy I'm not and basically it was I'm not going to have vulnerable feelings right I'm not going to be a like a, my fully feeling human self and when he was able to actually allow himself to have all of his humanity and make room for that and know that it didn't, it actually made him stronger. 
as a person. I mean, it's almost like these kind of, like these tools were useful. Like I, I don't like to talk about evolution because I don't understand it. But like, in, let's just say historically, not in, historically, like where men were like physically combative, or even in other places in the world. And it just seems like counterproductive to the struggles that men have right now. Like they're sort of not just breaking down old habits where like maybe not having strong emotions and like being physical before talking about something was like productive at some point in history like wars i don't know well i have a whole philosophy about what's happening in the world right now and and what that comes from which is kind of you know uh, carl jung was a very famous therapist Mm -hmm. he was a student of freud and they had a falling out because Freud did too much cocaine, and uh, among other things. And um, and Carl Jung um, introduced the idea that um, that everybody has masculine and feminine within them, and that the world. I mean, in general, I think we can we live in a world of duality where we have day and night, and we have good and bad, and we have we have taxes and people who don't pay taxes but we have (laughs) um, and we have masculine and feminine and those are not gender they aren't genital specific right so that the masculine is like the active intellectual um, protective force in the world and the feminine is the receptive wise more mysterious earth based and um, and together they make babies like we have right here right you have to have both to have babies but um, and historically, they were really, really separated. So that the men took on this like masculine role, right. and the women took on this physical role, and there were like social rules to not um, to not overlap each other. I'm not quite sure. I I think we're evolving as a species. Myself. Yeah. And part of evolution really requires a tremendous amount of self responsibility. Yeah. And you know I. Um, I personally think it's interesting to look at it from this perspective that a lot of misogyny and a lot of the oppression of women, women have really participated in that by not being willing to take full responsibility for themselves and to own their masculine and to own their own ability to wow. be protective and proactive and intellectual. And the same thing with men. I, th- I think that's the call for us as a culture right now mm, is, is for each of us individually to become more of the opposite. I tend to orient fairly masculinely myself and a lot of my work as a person um, has been to become more feminine because I looked, I absorbed a lot of that misogyny, the women hating that we have, and thought because I had a sickly mother who was just manipulative, and how she ran the world was to just collapse, and then people would have to like go into the void to help her, and um, so I was like, well, fuck that. I'm, I, Where does that come from? Because I used to do that. It's a feminine. It's it Where is. Does that come from? So it's the shadow side of the feminine. So the the, the positive side of the feminine is to be receptive I, I can't and do surrendered. It <laughs> right. But the, so the shadow side of the feminine is to feign powerlessness, which is not surrender. Is to really openly accept what's there and to um, to be allow yourself to be changed by what's happening and the the shadow side or the dark side of that is to manipulate that and to, to act like you're open out of powerlessness and it calls other people to come in to save you. Yeah. 
Yeah. I shall lie down on this fainting chaise lounge. Right. Oh, right. Very Which, specific furniture. Yeah. Very specific. <laughs> Another. Oh, you're good. He's good. He's like the guy in Pox and Rec. We got the thing. We got to get out of I forgot the last name. Until now. We'll Ron have Swanson. to look. Did You should look it up. Well, so... So the idea, um, maybe we'll work a little bit with this. You know, the idea, uh, this is my understanding of relationship too. Um, even homosexual relationship or whatever the f- orientation of the relationship is, is that we're drawn to partners that have more of the opposite of the places that we're underdeveloped. And, you know, in, in the old world, it would be together we come together we make a whole. But I think really what we're being called to now is to become more like whatever our partner is so that we each become more whole. That's mm. kind of my Interesting. theory Resonating. Of, um, of life. Yeah. So making fun of the manly man. Yeah. I mean, do you that's do that easy. too? Oh, yeah. It's too easy. Is it too easy? I, I almost think so, yeah. I mean, it like... It's an easy target because everybody hates. It's, it's like if you make fun of like straight white guys, it's like everybody hates them already. <laughs> I you're love straight, straight white guys. You're a good-looking straight white guy, so oh, it's got to be hard. Stop. Like you're, you're putting it on yourself. Like I really like straight white guys. <laughs> I, do. I do. I like bisexual straight white guys too. Right. <laughs> um. So, who's hard to poke fun at? If white guys, straight white guys, that's too easy. The manly man. I mean, you don't ever. Yeah, I guess the idea is you never want to punch down, right? You never want to make fun of somebody who's kind of in a in a place below you, like whether that be physically speaking, socioeconomically speaking, in any kind of. Term. So you're kind of limited. Well, I mean, because you're considered top of the food chain. Sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. By all means, it's kind of it's it's. Whoa! Funny. So you can't talk about anybody. It's even funny too, because like I remember, I just like hanging out uh, outside between shows, talking about a lot of these other comics are like really either like giving it their all in comedy or work a, a wait a wait job in L.A. or something like that, and it's a, a much harder struggle. Where I've got like a full time job. That I I get paid fairly well. I do a lot of hard work, but uh, you know I get compensated well, and I've got a college degree. I'm fairly lucky with all of that mm-hmm. behind me. So it's like, damn, you know, I feel a little bit like I got like matching Carhartt hat and shoes. Got, <laughs> I feel a little got, bit bad for you like get the blue collar privilege. But at the same on. time, I grew up with like a lot of TV dinners and like a, a more or less like a single mom. So you know, I'm like, fuck it, I can have stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's like it's interesting, like with with this age of like I've heard a million comedians say like it's hard to be a white man right now and oh it's like not a, hard at but, all but we comedy, do want to hear maybe. we do want to hear that I will I want to hear the stories of struggle like wh- what was your struggle because white guys have struggle white guys kill themselves white guys shoot up schools more white, white guys, guys have a bad kill day. themselves exactly than is yeah. by far and we don't know about it because it's like. Or we, I mean, we we're learning like the why, but the why is sort is still interesting. It's still less touched than a lot of other topics to me about like, I mean, I don't want to say the word vulnerability because that's like all comedy and that word's doesn't. It's like stop meaning something to me because we use it so much. But like, I do really still like to see when like a white guy's on stage and he's like, "Should I have five more minutes?" And I don't know what to talk about yet at an open mic. I'll always be like, "Talk about your mom." <laughs> like my heckle. <laughs> Because, like, and then they think, oh, well, I don't have anything to say about my mom. And they'll say one thing, like, one loaded thing, tongue-in-cheek, and the whole room laughs. Because it's like, I kind of just want to hear white guys talk about their moms. And yeah. 
I don't know. It's like they, there's still this thing of like, I don't want to be personal on stage. I want to write a jokey joke. Mm. I don't know. And I'm always like, why do you got to be so jokey jokey? Like just do something autobiographical too. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know. That's my personal curiosity with like male comics that are, yeah, that are avoiding that specifically. Are you, are you a jokey joke or are you a personal joke person? I don't know. I think it's a fair mix. I think a lot, I think at least a lot of the material that I've done down here has been more uh, autobiographical, more like stories directly pertaining to my life. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, <laughs> it's hard to, I guess it's hard to like think back or like kind of take it out of the context of my own life. Cause it's like, oh, well I wrote it all. So it is kind of like on a certain level personal to me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's mostly like stories, stuff like that. You know, I've been experimenting. Um, I've been experimenting here actually with this because because there's this there's this kind of idea of being a therapist which is hierarchical which I really hate and um, and how self-revealing is it like appropriate to be and and like even that idea of appropriate right like what is appropriate not appropriation that's a whole other big problem too right but um how appropriate is it to be and i've kind of made a decision i'm 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 playing around with the idea of just being completely inappropriate um because that's actually my nature anyway and um it feels more authentic Mm -hmm. for me to be authentic and self-revealing but it's a little scary because it's kind of taboo as a therapist mm. in a way yeah to be to say i like to have somebody stick their finger up my ass yeah. or <laughs> you know um most therapists i guess probably wouldn't say that they probably wouldn't but they all like it sure anyway. well I don't well maybe, maybe they knows? don't all like it you gotta try it anyway <laughs> <laughs> um look at you Oh my God! We just got this baby. He knows. Oh. So normal therapy is like the therapist sits there with a piece of paper and, and doesn't say anything, and you talk, and then later they tell you stuff, but they never talk about themselves. Is that what you're saying? So well, that that's a that is one particular. Actually, it is a large way that people are trained. People are trained in the whole medical community too. You're trained to not be a person, to keep yeah. your own feelings out of it, to basically not be a human. And I think it is the least healing thing that you can do for another person. Listening. Is passive listening. Yeah. And to tapping not, of a pen becomes the whole session. Right. To not actually because the thing I see, particularly in you know, talk about suffering that I see in San Francisco, which is where I live now, which is, you know, this incredibly white privileged place, but there's a tremendous suffering of disconnection and loneliness. Yeah, absolutely. Like, really that you know, you talk about war torn countries and I, I've been um I've had the opportunity to be in a third world country for a period of time. And the amount of human connection that people have is really, really incredible. And, you know, I don't want to live in a place where I'm fearing for my life, but there's always a compensation. Like I, you know, and I think one of the really sad things about white privilege is that we don't have the right to have suffering and that we aren't supposed to because everybody else has it so much worse and there's a different kind of suffering that happens in your Volvo when you're on your phone and you haven't actually talked to a person um, or you walk by your kids and you don't have a relationship with your kids or you don't actually have a genuine connection not having real needs because I feel like connection is formed by needs and when you don't have a need because 
everything's getting dropped off and delivered by a certain person you're paying, it's like, what are the actual people in your life for? Like, how, what are you depending on other people for it? And like, like desperation is a form of connection that's pretty strong. Need, actually. need. It, that's an excellent point. Need is real. I think it's. I think this is where we're really driving off the cliff. Yeah. As as a as a species is because this idea that if we have all our needs met, then we'll be happy and we can do fun things or something. But there is that basic. That's really beautiful the way you said that. That needs kind of drive connection. And without the needs, you lose the connection. And without connection, I don't know what there is. Although I, I will say if I like won the lottery or just had a lot of money dumped on me and like met all those needs, I'd probably be pretty happy. <laughs> like I'd be, I would be totally happy with that, you know, for a minute. Oh, That's what you think. I could, but do, the things, I could do a lot. <laughs> you can do a lot. You can do a lot. I don't know. I never want to win the lottery. Oh, same. I, no I don't way. want it. No, I find like, I want to be occupied. You guys with, can buy me tickets. <laughs> my little problems are so good. Like they're so like, they cause the perfect amount of stress. Like, I feel like they're real, you know? I'm like, my health insurance, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to feed the baby or whatever. And it's like, the bigger your life is, it's like, oh, my CEO, I have 20, 20 employees. Like, I see these people. And it's just like, the, the products that they're making are so dispensable. Like, if the economy busts, like, nobody is going to want, both the parents have their own companies. And, like, nobody's going to want what they're selling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, having, I don't know, I'm not like saying, like, simplicity because some things that are very complica- complicated are, like, really important. But, like, I personally i am scared of, like, making my life have too many things in it that don't actually matter. Well, it's a question. So, like, what actually yeah. makes you happy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I, I, I picture that. Like, if I, had, if I did win the lottery, I'd just, like, and this is because of who I am and, like, what I was brought up in and what I do now. Like, I would just buy land and, like, build stuff, you know? You just work on stuff. But isn't that what you're doing now? I mean, now I'm not working on the stuff I want to work on. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to have like my own full shop. You know, like it's kind of like I'd love to. That's what retirement. I know, right? I don't. I don't know if I'll retire. Like my dad's 66. He's there. Both my parents aren't retired yet. I don't know if retirement's in the the burger. uh, (laughs) I'm never uh, going to retire. Yeah, in the burger doctrine, but I mean, yeah, I guess I'm doing that now. But it'd be like. I could just like you can make stuff, you know. I could build a fucking boat. Would that be cool? Like take the time. My stepdad, he built, uh, he built a boat. I get, you know, he did it while he was working at a shipyard. But he built the 24 foot boat in our backyard over the course of eight years, and then he and my mom sailed on it for a little while. Dream. Girl, you want to make? You can make a lot of money building boats. I had, I had a, I had a friend. They had a boat building family. They, they built. Yeah. Sailing boats. It's they starting made. to. It's huge money. They sell those boats for like two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, oh, oh my God, more. Yeah, yeah but it's starting. Well, to this is get, in uh, Massachusetts, not huh. in San Francisco. It would be five hundred thousand. Yeah, it's starting to get out. Well, I don't want to say outsourced, but uh, Turkey is becoming a huge boat building uh, epicenter just because it's just ungodly cheap to do boat building over there you know wow. you can throw cheap labor at it and get the job done way quicker way under budget so the place my stepfather was working for um pretty like a pretty well-known wooden like wooden ship builder in maine um they like closed down three of their buildings three of their facilities sold one off and like had to lay off a ton of people because it's like nobody not a lot of people in the world are splurging for 
like five point eight million dollar wooden sailboats. Well, you don't need a lot of them. You don't need a lot of them if you have that. I mean, so these people they had a family business. They had it was the father and two brothers, and um, and they built these custom yachts. Yeah, yeah, you know, like thirty, forty foot sailboats, and it take a couple years. And people want it because they would visit them and everything. You know, the teak and this is going to be this special way. And they bent all the wood and do all like that. You know, I believe that we don't have a dream without being able to have the power to make it come true. Like, you really want to build boats, dude? Like, you can do that. You don't have to win the lottery. Yeah. No, well, what's well, the was... bigger dream? Comedy? Would you rather do comedy, or do you rather would you rather build furniture? Because furniture seems like an actual talent that could actually make money, whereas comedy is like drink tickets. Right, right, right. Until <laughs> until you get your Netflix special. Even when you get your Netflix special, at you this buy point, one nice outfit and then it's back to drink tickets. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like, I don't know. I I haven't I haven't figured that out yet. You've been soul searched that no. far enough yet. But you like both of them. You're oh yeah, it's working out fine. Everything's cool. Right now everything's cool. There you go. Until I have a baby. Uh, it's Are you nice gonna to have, have a baby? No, I I every morning stand in front of the microwave for like five minutes trying to, <laughs> trying to reduce that chance. Yeah. <laughs> you love that. <laughs> that was hilarious. He, he did. He spit up over that one. Oh my goodness. The microwave my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Cook them little fishies up. Yeah. My mom used to do this thing with us called the attention store and it was when we were like upset about not getting something we really wanted. And she just she still does this with me and my other siblings. And she's just like, Well if you had everything and time and money wasn't an issue, like what is it that you really trying to do? And you just talk for like ten minutes about your fantasy, like in the way you were just doing now, and it's like this really cool practice and it ends up sometimes building gratitude but also just like oh i could probably do that you know like i wanted to get into comedy and i was just like ah and then it's like oh you can actually it's slower and it's like more at stake and more at risk than like your little dream that you paint but it's interesting to be like well what is it that i really want you know sometimes it's like oh i want a vacation in a hot place and you're like well you could probably do that if you if you save up and you know call it phone a friend or something i don't know it's just Mm -hmm. just like a the attention store sometimes like when you're feeling like i don't know like stretched and you want more money (laughs) that's a really beautiful thing yeah yeah i don't know i i i sometimes joke about it a lot with my sisters like we'll be bitching about something and one of us will be like attention store you'll be like shut up you know (laughs) (laughs) but it is it is something because i'm like what like, I don't like being, a, like, a maid. I don't like feeling class consciousness every day. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't... I'm in, like, this half-hot-not world all the time. And I'm like, well, I'm, I think I'm happier than the people that are that happy. I lived that as a, so, as a maid. Yeah. Um, and so... And, it, you know, it was really good preparation for me. Um, it was good preparation for me for what I'm doing now. And um, mm. just as far as being able to be happy with what is, with what I have, and and outside, you know, we were talking about the manly man thing. And to me, like I call those masks. Mm. Yeah. Like they're they're these things that we wear, and class is a thing that we wear, and there's a you know that that kind of protects us. It kind of can tell us who we think we should be, and so we don't have to do the work to actually check it out and see who we really are. We can just pretend to be this little cutter cookie kind of thing that we put on ourselves and uh people want to put it on us too you know people like always assume i'm like a gay vegan and like sometimes i just let it happen you know (laughs) like i'm not trying for that look or i'm not trying for that vibe i get that all the time too (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes it's like 
more useful to just let their assumptions stick. Absolutely. You know? Or like people think this is my baby and I'm like, yep, like it's a gay baby. Like whatever. I just don't care where their assumptions are. But like it's so, it's, it is so powerful because once I assume the lie that's been put on me in like a, a short moment, like it's so impactful. It's so like if I pretend like this is my baby, like it changes than when I say I'm the nanny, like who and how I relate to that person so much. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it's like this, sometimes I do it on purpose, you know, like I pretend like I'm the mom on purpose. I have to stand up about it, but like it, because of the way people treat you differently. Mother's day is so fun. The whole week of mother's day when you're a nanny is the best. Just take it that whole week. Just take it. You're taking it. (laughs) Yes. I am a great mom. You're right. I'm the best mom you've ever seen. Aren't I? (laughs) On the bus. The act of mothering. I don't know. So it's just, yeah. Like the roles people put on you. Versus who you are, and sometimes it can it can like tilt who you think you are. Like in your core, you're like, wait, what do I actually believe? Like, am I just toting a party line because I look like a party line? <laughs> That's interesting, right? Yeah. To expand our possibilities yeah. of who we might be. So, um, did you guys? So you knew you were coming to a therapy thing. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have anything that you wanted to work on? Not, not really upfront. I I've had an interesting I've had an interesting relationship in therapy throughout my life. I the first time I went was probably when I was like eight or nine uh, with my mom just after my folks split up, and but that was like you know you're a kid and I think I was just like drawing right. crayons on paper or whatever. Play tic tac toe. Yeah yeah yeah. Play tic tac toe. It's like well, how do you feel? I'm like I don't know, dude. Right. Weird. <laughs> Weird dog. My dad's not here anymore. Like what do you want me to say? Right. Uh, and then I tried uh, somewhat recently the online therapy talk space. I don't know if you've heard of that or, or I, have. I tried it and I was a lot of what I had started. It's like all text based and a lot of what I had gone into was um, kind of wealth gap and like struggling. I have a lot of like wealthy friends. I'm dating a rather like affluent young woman. Mm-hmm. Uh and so it's like I, uh, always feeling kind of like a struggle to keep up or like meet there, like meet people spending or like, oh, they're all going out. Like, okay, well, I can go out, but maybe I'll take out another credit card so I can go hang out more. Um, and like, she, I just remember getting a text back from this therapist. It was like, well, if you care about that, like, why don't you just become like a hedge fund manager? And I was like, I was like, if you think that's how the world works, like you shouldn't be giving people life advice. Cause that's so naive and like, right. But just become wealthy. Yeah. You can yeah. Solve your it's problems. such an right. advice. It was like advice that you didn't ask for. It's just so different from what a therapist. Yeah. I like, advice. it was funny. Cause I like, I like blue. It was like all text. So I'm like, this isn't real. So I was like, you're fucking dumbass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Trolling the therapist. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking. And she's like, you should probably, find a new uh, person to talk to. I was like, yeah, of course, obviously. Obviously. Uh, but I have been seeing uh, this one doctor in uh, in Portland now who's from Boston mm-hmm. um, in my network. <laughs> uh, it's been decent, but I go like semi-regularly and we kind of talk for a little bit, but I don't, I've never felt that I was on the, um, like on the precipice of collapse or major anxiety attack so i go in and we chat for an hour and then i'm like yeah i'm kind of like all right right now i think it I like depression anxiety ebbs and flows for me so it's you know you're catching me on a good week <laughs> <laughs> so it's like i don't know what to talk about i'm having a good time okay we might poke at that do you have anything that you want to work on? well 
Honestly, like, if I went, okay, there's, if I went to therapist right now, the narcissist performer in me is like, well, how about, maybe we could arrange something. You just ask me questions about my life, and then whatever you think is interesting, keep probing at it. Because I love talking about myself <laughs> and my stories. And it's just like a narcissistic interview of like, well, what's interesting? interesting. And it's like the opposite of what you're supposed to do in therapy, which is like, or maybe. But um, what's interesting about my story is what I'm trying to look for right now as a performer, because I like storytelling. And I think I have a weird past. Um, so there's that. But also like in what I want, I am very ADHD. And like my most successful forms of therapy in the past have been not actually digging which is the opposite of what i just said but like <laughs> the exact opposite welcome to my life um is just like um adhd coaching is like my biggest need of like what are finding motivation for the things that are like not exciting and not comedy related and like you know what i mean so like that's those are the two those are that's what i always want is like right now i'm like well i don't want someone to it's the exact opposite i've said both in the same week i don't want anyone to dig i just want somebody to like help me get my goal list done and also dig and ask me weird questions about my past you paint did you say you paint in like a throwaway thing like not paint i don't think so you didn't okay thank god because i was like you do that too no i used to have hobbies i used to have a lot i used to have a lot of hobbies and they're 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 buried they're just so buried. God. Now you just have a baby. I'm like, I have two extra hours to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> just like a real mom. Oh, yeah. So no hobbies. Just comedy and writing. So the way that the way that spiritual psychology works, yeah. and it works lots of different ways, but is um, certainly it can be issue focused. But a lot of times what wants to happen is just already right here. So, um, a really good place to, well, why don't, we're going to, we're going to poke at you yeah, a little bit it. first and then we'll poke at you. If we, I would say for like, I think one of the things that I definitely notice difficulty in my day to day life is like relationship stuff, like conflict resolution, de-escalation, stuff like that. And like, that's, I guess, areas that I, I certainly see myself wanting to work at. So say more about that. How does how does it come up? Um, I I definitely would say that both my partner and I now are more combative and defensive when it comes to like a conflict or, or we get into an argument and we'll have I'll notice for myself have trouble like really hearing what she's saying mm-hmm. instead of just kind of like focusing on how I'm going to respond to it. Right. You know. That's definitely, I think, probably a, a, a key a key factor of like a lot of males in, oh, in like or maybe everybody. Everybody like, does that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so if you consider a conflict that you guys have had recently, and um, like pull one up, and see if you can. So this is really body-centered work. So see if you can get a sense of like what's happening in your body when you're having a conflict. This is your girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're having a conflict with your girlfriend, like what what's happening in your body before you get to the defensive place? Or maybe you get there. Do you go right to defense? Think of a conflict lately. Yeah. yeah can yeah. you pick one and even just, is it one you can kind of tell us what it is? Just super simple, like 
actually wanted to go to McDonald's and I want to go to Burger King. Or- <laughs> no, well, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll talk about the most, like, recent relevant one. And it's actually, it was transpiring kind of throughout this festival. Um, but she got, like... She got really fucked up at a party and, like, wound up naked in a hot tub making out with a bunch of people. And she kind of said it was under the context of, like, oh, we were playing Spin the Bottle. It was, like, really fun and, like, not a big deal. You shouldn't really worry about it. And then I was like, well, I kind of am a little bit worried about it. Um, So that's been an ongoing conflict. Whoa. Yeah, that's not McDonald's and Burger King. That's not McDonald's and Burger King. Right. No, so that's intense. But I think that our our back and forth since then has been more of, like, her trying to explain it as, like, pretty, not, like, not a big deal, not, like, an issue that I should be worried about, where I'm kind of coming from my point of view being like, hey, I'm out of state. Like, I don't know what was going on, and it is kind of a big deal for me. Right. Um, But we're not really hearing each other, um, or I guess we're speaking past each other in in this context. Okay. So if, so if you think about, um, let's kind of go to the, well, you can pick any of the conversations that you guys have had around this. And, um, so pick one, it could be the first one. It could be subsequent ones. And so if you, if you like consider your body, like what is happening? We can maybe just bring it up this way right now. So if you think about what happened, with her in the hot tub and you're not there um how does that feel in your body kind of like like not not well and unease like in your gut kind of like confusion and sadness inside like lower stomach okay so if um, i'm gonna ask you to close your eyes for a minute and see if you can bring your awareness a little bit deeper to that we're gonna be curious about it about what that feeling is because the thing is we have lots of narratives in our head we have all kinds of stories but our body doesn't lie and I personally believe that any discomfort that we have is an opportunity for us to do some healing work within ourselves and become more whole and more grounded so so if you bring your awareness to that really understandable discomfort and sadness and confusion in your belly just see if you can notice, like, does it have a shape? Does it have, if, if it was, if we were going to give it kind of open your other senses of sight and sound and taste and touch and smell and instinct and intuition, if we were going to kind of give it a form, what color would it be? What shape would it be? What's its density? Those feelings of confusion and sadness. guess like when i was closing my eyes and just kind of thinking about that listening it's like just kind of a heavy dark blue orb okay so i'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes shut as much as you can for this and um and so if you bring your awareness to that um to that kind of heavy blue orb and i wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine the first time in your life you ever had a feeling similar to that. And it, it doesn't have to be like a memory. It's just kind of what comes up when I offer that possibility. When was the first time you felt that kind of sadness and confusion in your belly? Uh, I, could, I think back to like a moment which I, I like smile about now or laugh about now. Um, 
which was when my folks were still together and they're having a like a really big fight uh-huh. and it was like on Easter and we had these uh, like uh, laminate like Easter placemats like kids placemats mm-hmm. and my dad ended up like ripping them apart for some reason uh, and I think looking back then I was like really like afraid and sad and confused but I mean it's funny looking back now because it's so absurd but that that would be a, another heavy blue orb feeling okay so if you how old how old were you when that happened probably like five or six okay so if you see if you can do you want to drop the mic on her i did okay um if you see if you can sense or feel or imagine that little boy at that age and this is happening and he's having these really bad feelings and i wonder if you could imagine yourself as you are today with all the experience you've had all the work you've done in your life you've done a lot of work and stepping into the scene as the adult self you are today with that little boy and make yourself known to him and notice how you feel about that little boy who's feeling sad and confused and his parents are having a big fight and how do you feel about him, that little boy? Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how how it feel. I mean, I would just want to be there to you know support him and comfort him and make make sure he knows that it's going to turn out okay. What does he need? Probably just a hug or some human contact. So in spiritual psychology, all time is present time. So even though this is something that happened a long time ago, on, a, on the level of the psyche, it's something that still exists today, as if it was right now. So if you give that little boy a hug, what happens? Uh, he probably feels better. Mm-hmm. What has your relationship been like with that little boy in your life? How have you treated him? Mm. He's a really sensitive boy. Mm. Yeah. He's really sensitive. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In that situation that you've laughed at over the years, it was really, really scary for him. Things were coming apart in his family, and he knew it on some level. So you know what we want to tell him? We want to tell him that happened a long time ago, and he doesn't have to live in that anymore. Things are really different now. And you actually can be his healthy parent now. And we want to bring him out of that situation in that kitchen with dad raging and all. That was terrible for him. And he doesn't have to live there anymore. Would he like to leave that place and come with you? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we bring him to a beautiful and peaceful and powerful place in nature? Maybe one of the favorite places you've ever been. 
some place where you felt really connected and where would you bring him he doesn't have to live in that anymore we're going to get him out of there yeah, I'd say just the coastline of Maine, just mm. kind of being home. Mm-hmm. I can smell it. Mm-hmm. Those rough rocks. Is it day or night? Daytime. Mm. What's the quality of the air? Uh, it's nice, it's, you know end of summer turning into fall mm. so it's kind of crisp mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how does he feel to be there safe and the sky and the ocean the earth is there so we want to let him know that this is a really safe place that nobody can come here without his permission this is a sacred place for him this place has only his highest good in mind. And we're here to help him. There's a lot that's good about this little boy. What's good about this boy? What are his gifts and talents? He's got a <coughs> weird sense of humor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like he already knows he would like to build stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this place with these really powerful elements, what does he feel the most comfortable with? The water, the sky, the earth, the rocks? Yeah, the, the water, the water and the rocks. Yeah. So I wonder if he becomes aware of the water and the rocks he can open to the possibility that the rocks and the water are also aware of him that they're available for him as a source and a resource of strength and wisdom that the elements of water and stone are actually elements that are in his own body they're like his relatives How is it for him to open to that possibility? Being supported by the earth. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to do with the water or the stone? Uh, just jump in, you know, just get in the water. Tell him to jump in. And really notice how it feels. How is it to jump in the water? Be surrounded by it? It's nice. It's cold. Definitely cold, but uh-huh. it's nice. And so... How does that little boy... How does he feel about you? Your adult self? Feels comfortable. Feels happy to have that friend. Mm. And what does he need from you? What does he need from you? He just needs, needs me to be there. 
know that he's there. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to be there for him? Yeah. Mm. And how is it for him to hear that, that you're willing to be there for him? It's, it's good. Mm. Is there anything that you would need to do or change in your life today to make room for him to be loved and cared for in the way that he really needs? I don't really, I don't really know. I don't really know. Ask him. If he was going to come and be with you in your life today, is there anything that you'd need to do or change? There might not be. Just to be open and open and accepting to that, I guess. Mm-hmm. To pay attention to him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, is he interested in coming and being with you in your life today? Or would he like to stay in this place in Maine? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'll just say this. He will always, and so will you, you will always have access to this spiritual place. Now that you have made this connection, you will always have access to it. So coming into present time fully doesn't mean that you don't have access. You will always have access to the power of this place. But it's up to him. Uh, yeah. He can stay if he wants, or he can come and be with you. No, he, he, he can come and be with me. Okay. Think, yeah. So... I wonder if you can... Well, first I want to ask, is there anything else he wants to do in this place before he comes to be with you? Just just to breathe in the, the salty air. and I don't know. That's it, really. Okay. So take a deep breath of that salty air. And, and I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine hugging him into your body like butter melting into toast physically, mentally emotionally, spiritually energetically bringing this part of your own soul home to where he really needs to be where he can be safe and loved and cared for by you in the way he's always needed You might feel a filling sensation as he integrates into your body all the way down to the soles of your feet and the tips of your fingers and the crown of your head. And knowing that this connection with this really beautiful part of yourself, this really pure boy that it will inform and transform all areas of your life, whether you're aware of it or not, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, creatively, socially, relationally, that when we, this is called soul retrieval, and when we add to our own life energy, it informs all areas of our life. And that you're going to be able to easily and naturally relate with this part of yourself in a healthy way and care for him which means caring for yourself in a way you've probably never done before 
and you're ready to do this to care for this part of yourself in this way and to open up to his vulnerability and his truth and and also to receive the life energy that he holds even more of his own quirky sense of humor and his engagement with the world and his curiosity and his sensitivity and his perception. He feels very perceptive to me. That those will add to your life. His innocence and his openness and his connection with the earth and the ocean. And that through him, you'll have even more of yourself. <clears throat> so if you take a minute right now and see if you can sense or feel or imagine that little boy in the studio with us right now, where is he? Uh, by, my, by my side, I guess, by my side. How's he feeling? Better, definitely better safer happier and how is it for you to have him here in this way uh feels nicer to have him here instead of back in you know memories bad memories mm -hmm. so again it's not like those things didn't happen but he doesn't have to live there we can have him in present time where he can be cared for right now and so if you think about the dynamic that's been happening in your partnership, this really painful dynamic that's been happening, and consider that your responsibility is to care for him. And how, and when things, when there's an exchange between you and, and her, if you can focus on him and caring for him, and how that might change how those dynamics go going forward. Not even with her, but within yourself. Right. That that's your job, mm -hmm. is to care for yourself. And to be honest about what he needs. With yourself first, and then to decide how to advocate for him. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. How is it for him to hear that? Uh, it's good. It's, uh, I mean, I like that. I definitely like that, that, that perspective, that point of view, that idea of taking care of, of, that, of that person. Mm -hmm. So Steve, how do you feel in your body right now? Just bringing your awareness to him and right in the present time. Um, warmer, warmer inside, better than before. Excellent. So ask that little boy if there's anything that he needs or if there's anything he wants to do or communicate right now. I don't, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think he does. I think he just needs to be recognized or be, you know, sought to be seen after. Does he know you're a comedian? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, he does now. <laughs> See if you can show him, show him your life today. Show him where you live and what you do and people you hang out with and 
you know, you're in San Francisco right now, you've been on a bunch of radio shows, and you've done a bunch of comedy, and you build stuff for a living, and how does he feel about all that? Uh, proud. Yeah, proud, I guess, proud. Yeah. You should be proud. You're following your dreams. And you're using your talents in the world. It's really good. It's really good. So just know that you're going to be able to easily and naturally connect with this part of yourself going forward. And you'll also be able to connect with that energy of the ocean. And it exists in the Pacific Coast, too. Um, and that these are sources and resources for you of strength and wisdom and guidance and, and grounding um, in what's true. Because the truth really does set us free. And the more that we can own what's true about ourselves, the more power we have in the world. Um, there's a force of good. So, really great work. Really great work. That, um, part of the reason that I want to do this work on the radio is because in the 80s, I tell this story a lot, there was a man named John Bradshaw, and, um, and I was watching TV one day, and I um, I saw him do a process not dissimilar from the one we just did, and I was blown away. Um, and it often happens with five-year-olds, the five-year-old part of ourselves. There's a there's something there's a split that happens at five where we move from being an infant into the world, and we often lose like what I call our authentic self. Um, and I don't know why it's set up that way. I'm going to talk to the management when I die. Like, I think it's a design flaw. But anyway. Um, but, um, you know, I watched that happen. And um, I, um, I had just stopped taking drugs and uh, drinking. I was trying to get my life out of the toilet. And it uh, took a little while to do that. But, um, and... And I had all this like underlying emotional stuff that I was completely separated from. And um, and when I saw that happen, I realized that there was a possibility for healing that I didn't know was possible. And um, and I ended up spontaneously. I had an experience where I spontaneously like connected with a five-year-old part of myself. Mm. And um, it was many years later. I was cleaning house for a woman who was a therapist and. She ended up becoming the teacher for this work that I do now, mm-hmm. and um, and so thank you so much. Thank you for sharing because yeah. I believe that when we see or hear what's possible for other people, um, then we know that it's possible for us as well to yeah. become more whole. I always want to clap at the end when you do that because it's like <laughs> a fucking circus magic trick. It's like what would I do? I 
meant the kid too. That was really cool. <laughs> she did it too. I did. She changed my life. I met the kid hanging out with the kid. It's like a, it's, I almost do, 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 do. look. It works. It's crazy. No, it's so it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Um, magic. Yeah. No, it is magic. It's magic with a K. It's it's alchemy. It's alchemy of of connecting. How do you feel? Feel all right. I mean, it's, you're really vulnerable. It's really vulnerable. I don't normally cry in front of strangers, but uh, <laughs> it's um, it's okay. It's Mutiny Radio. We're yeah, all family here. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, I mean, what it is, it's an op- for me the way I see it is that it's an opening. It's like it's it's an, it's like almost like osmosis where a part of ourself, like the membrane, has to become thin so that we can receive and expel and so you know for me um as someone who hated crying because i hated being vulnerable but it kept me frozen away from parts of myself to like really open up it's then when i open up like then i can receive Mm. you know so um that was really beautiful no it really was it was really beautiful um so there's a there's a little piece of work we can do in the last ten minutes um, that that I find really helpful and um, and I think um, I think Ulo that I don't know if you can focus you can though see cause you are you have you have such mom energy I know you can multitask yeah. so okay. present in that so and PM you can do this too and anybody who's listening so this is one of my favorite meditations. Um, it's a really simple meditation and it's about connecting um, I'm all about authentic sources of power because I think we have a lot of inauthentic sources of power that we use in the world through whether it's putting other people down or trying to steal their energy or taking drugs or trying to get too much money or like this but when we, when we have authentic power um, different stuff happens better stuff happens you run into people in the dog park and they make <laughs> and they make appointments with you. Serendipity happens. Anyway, so um, so this is a guided meditation. So we're gonna do more and um, and I would bring the boy with you on this, okay. So um, so you're going to visit a friend. You're gonna go visit um, a very old friend. And it's someone that you love and care for very much. In fact, they're very, very old. They're probably at the end of their life. But you're not sad about that. You're really looking forward to seeing them. And so I wonder if you can imagine where their home is. Um, It may be in the woods. It may be in a neighborhood. It may be in the city. Where is their home? And this is a beloved place. It's a beautiful place. You love to go there. You've been there many, many times. And it's very warm and inviting. And kind of notice if it's day or night. And what is the approach to their home like as you begin to move toward it? And just kind of noticing if you smell anything, do you hear anything, like really what, really being present with what's around you. And you approach their front door and the door's unlocked because they've been waiting for you. And you might notice if the door has a color and what the door handle's like. And you open the door and you want to call to them, I'm here, and you can hear them 
I've been waiting for you. And as you move into the home, noticing, notice how it's decorated. Notice what colors, notice what the furniture is like, any decorations. What's the quality of the light in the home? And see if you can notice where they are. They may be in the back room. They may be outside. They may be waiting for you. And so you approach the place where they are. And and they're so glad you've come. And... If they're able, they might even stand, if they still have enough health to do that, and greet you. And as you move to embrace them, you realize that this is actually yourself as a very old person at the end of your own optimal existence. You've lived your best life And this old and wise part of yourself is so glad you've come. And they want to share their wisdom and their experience with you now. And see if you can notice how they feel about you. And how you feel about them to see your optimal self at the end of your life. And how do they feel about their life? How do they feel about themselves? And is there anything that they want to do or communicate with you right now? of wisdom, suggestion, advice from their great experience. They know everything about you. And to see, we just want to ask them if they're willing to be available as a source and a resource going forward. That again, in many, many traditions, it's understood that all time is present time. That the past and the future are constructs. And that everything is available to us actually right now. And when you're ready, you might say goodbye to them knowing that, again, they're always available to you. And move back out through the home, back out the front door. And back out into the world, bringing this connection with you. Back into your body, fully in present time. And You might take a moment and see if you can sense or feel or imagine calling that wise part of yourself, your own highest self, into the room right now. 
and where would they be in relation to you? To be beside you, in front of you, behind you, within you. And see how it feels to have them here. Have access to our own deepest wisdom, our own timeless nature. Like a teacher or a guide that has only our highest good in mind. And just know that this is always available to you, whether you're alone or with others, whether you're busy or at rest, that you can just bring your awareness into your body in this way and make this connection. And you're actually adding to your own resources in a really healthy and helpful way. So just bringing this back with you. And remember everything fully and open your eyes when you feel ready. Magic! <laughs> so what happened, Pam? I don't know why I live in San Jose, but that's weird. Okay. Did you live in San Jose? I lived in San Jose on a weird dog. I don't, I don't know why. It was my grandma's house when I was growing up. Mm. And then I was like, I'm like, why am I living in San Jose? But no, good stuff, smart person. I'm never going to have to take Xanax again. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm cured! What did, so what did she say to you? Oh, uh, just to calm the fuck down. Everything's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> chill out. It's, you're fine. Yeah. How, how is it to hear that you're fine? Uh, well, from myself, that's unusual. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I think you're fine, Pam. Thanks. That was, that was pretty magical. That's good stuff. So I love right. Pam. Pam, I just yeah, love, I love you. you I really you, love you. I tell you, you helped me so much. I love it was her. Same thing he, you did with him. She does the second part. Oh, man, when Pickle Dick turned into the <laughs> Jigglypuff in the sky on the town. <laughs> like, it was life-changing. Yeah, she took the negative voice out of me. It's been gone. It's gone. For months. Gone, for huh? months. It's fucking gone, yeah. Months ago, she took the negative voice out of my head, and it was magic. We can do that. I didn't take it out. You did. No. Oh, well, thank you. You, you led did. me I to just take the negative voice out of my head. And then, and then Pickle Dick went away. <laughs> Pickle Dick went away. He did. <laughs> he did. Were you able to connect with a part of yourself? Um, I mean, sort of. I was kind of wrapped up in my own head a little oh, bit, but... A little distracting. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, I definitely thought more about like my home growing up in Maine and mm. stuff like that. Good. All right. It's uh. All right. So we gotta end. God, it's okay. With a Colin. joke. <laughs> do you guys? Do you guys like? Can you give like a two minute? Can you each give like a minute? It's uh, it's uh, Bug Out Square. It's it's Monday. It's noon. Uh, wait a second. What's going on? It's Monday. It's noon. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna tell you all about it. But uh, welcome nonetheless. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have 
Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Bug House Square, uh, I'm doing a, 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 a Monday afternoon thing because um, I, I, I can't be around uh, tomorrow. So that's the dedication that I have. I'm gonna, I came in uh, on my lunch break. <laughs> I'm going to do a show. Doing it clean, man. Doing it clean. Rainy night down in the engine house. Sleeping just as still as a mouse Man come along and he chased us out in the rain Was that a vigilante man? Stormy days we'd pass the time away Sleeping in some good warm place Man come along and we give him a little race Was that a vigilante man? Preacher Casey was just a working man And he said, unite all you working men Kill him in the river Some strange man was that a vigilante man Vigilante man Why does a vigilante man Carry that sawed-off shotgun in his hand Would he shoot his brother and sister down I rambled around from town to town I rambled around from town to town and they herded us around like a wild herd of cattle Was that the vigilante men? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land
Cinders and the great outdoors You reach out through this burning night 